You are listening to audio from Faith Church. If you are in the Seminole St. Pete area, we would love for you to join us on a Sunday. To learn more, visit us at faithrs.org. If you have your copy of God's Word or your Bible app, will you grab that and let's go to the book of Proverbs together, Proverbs chapter 6. And when you come into the worship center every Sunday, you'll find on those back tables stacks of Bibles. And if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. So make sure you grab one of those before you leave today. If you're willing and able, will you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? We stand out of reverence and to express our readiness. We believe this is the Word of God. And we're eager to hear this message from him today. So listen carefully. Proverbs 6, verses 6 to 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, A little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. My ministry years are old enough to vote now. In fact, they're old enough to drink, I suppose. I'm coming up on my 22nd year in ministry I was called to ministry when I was very young. I was just 16 years old, and I was sitting in a worship service, much like this one actually. I was sitting right about where you guys are, right over there. It was a normal Sunday morning, and the pastor was preaching from 1 Kings 18, the story of Elijah taking on the prophets of Baal. And though this was 22 years ago almost, I remember the title of the sermon, Making an Impact for God. Now I'm sure God had been working in my heart and my life in many ways. He had used a variety of people and events preparing me, but on that particular Sunday morning, in that very ordinary worship service in my small home country church of Bellevue Baptist Church in McCalla, Alabama, on that Sunday morning, God just reached out and grabbed hold of my heart, and I knew. There was nothing dramatic or or mystical about it. There wasn't a light or a voice from the Lord. And yet somehow, I knew, this is my life calling. This is my divine assignment. Proclaim God's word. Feed, lead his people. I knew it. Divine assignment. I like that phrase. I'm borrowing that from a missionary. Andrew Brunson is his name. Some of you remember the name Andrew Brunson. He's one of the missionaries in the EPC. You'll remember that we prayed for him, and he was released from prison in Turkey just a few years ago. He spent two years imprisoned in Turkey. He was on a a podcast recently, and he was talking about his calling, the calling he and his wife experienced to go to the people of Turkey and to share the gospel there. And he said that was their divine assignment. But he went so far as to say, even the two years in prison, that was my assignment. That was my calling. Pastors and missionaries, we have these stories, right, about our calling, the moment when we knew what our divine assignment was. And maybe you've heard those stories. Some of them are far more dramatic than mine. Maybe you've heard those stories and you've thought to yourself, wow, they are called to something holy. 
they are set apart for something special. The rest of us, we're out there just working, just piddling around, not really doing anything that matters. Listen to me. I don't mean to be impolite. But if you've ever thought that way about your work, whatever your work, you couldn't be more wrong. You couldn't be more wrong. I hope to help you bury that way of thinking today. I hope to help you see that you too, yes you, you have a calling. You have a divine assignment. Let me bring you up to speed on where we are in this series. We've been looking at the book of Proverbs for several weeks now, and each week we've considered wisdom, what wisdom looks like. And we've looked at the defining marks of the wise person. First, we saw that the wise person fears the Lord. He or she is characterized by this affectionate reverence, the bowing of the life before God. This is the very beginning of wisdom. Secondly, we saw that the wise person welcomes good, good counsel. He or she is perpetually open to good teaching, good and godly counsel, walking with the wise and at the same time fleeing the fool. Third, we saw that the wise person has healthy relationships. Relationships are the stuff of life. We all have them, we all need them, but the wise person gives great care to their relationships with family, friends, and neighbors. And then last Sunday, we saw that the wise person uses words carefully. According to Proverbs, the power of life and death are in our words. That's how powerful they are. Our words have the, powerful, have, the, have the power to destroy our relationships or, on the other hand, if we exercise self-control, to bring health and healing to our relationships. Now today, for the fifth week in this series, we're going to learn that the wise person works diligently. Wisdom, as we have seen, is about living. It's much more than what we know. It's living, building the type of life that is pleasing, beautiful to God, and beneficial to others. Wisdom is about living. Wisdom is about working. And a very specific type of work, diligent work. This morning, I want us to look at Proverbs and what it can teach us about our work, Solomon's basic teaching on the subject. Then I want us to think about the teaching behind the teaching, the broader teaching of the Bible on this subject. And then finally, I want us to consider our work today. So very simply... Proverbs on work, the broader biblical teaching on work, and then our work today. There's the path. You ready? Beginning with Proverbs. Here we go. Proverbs on work. Look at a couple of references here. There are dozens that I could have put here as an example, but let's look at just two. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4. The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. There are in Proverbs these recurring characters. We see them again and again. The forbidden woman is one of them. Remember, the forbidden woman is any woman who's not your wife. One of the other recurring characters is the sluggard. And the sluggard is juxtaposed with the diligent, the hard worker. Again and again, Proverbs will warn us about the sluggard. The sluggard is the lazy person. Sometimes the sluggard is pictured as one who just wants to sleep all day long. Never wants to get out of bed. The sluggard often never begins a task. 
But then other times in Proverbs, we see that this sluggard is someone who will begin a task, but he won't finish it. Perhaps the most powerful language is the language that's used about the sluggard and his excuses. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the street. I can't go outside. I might be killed. He'll make all of these ridiculous excuses. He'll do anything to get out of hard work. The equivalent today would be, I can't go to work today. There are Florida drivers out there. I might die. The sluggard will do anything to avoid hard tasks. Now, set in contrast to the sluggard is the diligent person. But before we talk about diligence, let me help you see why laziness is such a big deal. Laziness, according to Proverbs, is a spiritual issue. It's not, you see, just this minor character flaw. It's actually a spiritual issue. Wisdom is living a certain way, right? Building the type of life that is beautiful to God and beneficial to others. But the lazy person builds nothing. If you ask my boys, what are the two things that I fiercely dislike? More than anything else, what do I fiercely dislike? They will tell you without hesitation, because we talk about this often in our house, that those two things are laziness and lying. Laziness and lying. Why? Because they're both spiritual issues, you see. What is lying? Lying is breaking the relationships that God has given us. It's a spiritual issue. What is laziness? Laziness is wasting the gifts that God has given us. It, too, is a spiritual issue. It's not a minor character flaw. It's a spiritual matter. That's why Solomon cares so much about it. And that's why he says, don't be like the sluggard. Instead, be like the diligent person, the hard-working person. Now, the question is why. Why is there such praise of diligence all throughout this book of Proverbs? Is it simply because, generally speaking, diligent work leads to greater wealth? That is a general teaching of the book of Proverbs. Is that really what Solomon is getting at? Is he saying, be a hard worker so that you will become rich? Actually, no. Proverbs will warn us about the danger of working purely for the money. So there must be a deeper issue here. There must be something else going on. Why? Why is there this consistent praise of diligence? Well, to answer the question, we must get to the teaching behind the teaching here. We must go all the way back to the very beginning of the biblical story, the book of Genesis. And as we do, I think you will begin to see your work, whatever your work is, in a new light. Look at the very beginning of the Bible and what we can learn there about the importance of our work. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his, his work. You see, Christianity, it has a very different view of work. Compared to other world religions, the Christian narrative is quite different in many ways, but this is just one of them. Think about Greek mythology, for example. Many of you might know the story of Pandora from Greek mythology. The gods created the first woman. Pandora was her name, and the gods gave her this mysterious box. But they said, Pandora, don't open the box. They prohibited her from opening it. Ah, but Pandora's curiosity got the best of her. She opens the box, and from it flows all of the evil things in this world. Pain and suffering and death and work. Work is one of the evils that came from the box. But you see, on the Christian view, work is not an invader. 
Work is not something evil or sinful or bad. No. In the very beginning, God himself is a worker. Work could not have a more exalted inauguration. God himself is a worker. He created. He produced something. And it was beautiful. The most fundamental teaching of the Bible is that work is a good thing. But as we keep reading in Genesis 2, we learn even more. Look at Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Not only is God a worker, but God created us to work. Or we could say it like this. All human work is divine calling. All human work is divine calling. We see this also in Genesis 1, when God says to the man and the woman, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. The word subdue, it means that God made his creation in such a way that there was untapped potential. Potential that we were to bring about, cultivate through our labors, through our work. In other words, God produced in such a way that it paved the way for our work. God worked in such a way that it prepared the way for your work and for mine. Work is good. On the Christian view, all work is good. All human work is divine calling. Now you see, when we understand that, we stop speaking of pastors and missionaries as the only ones who are called. You are called. You have a divine calling. If I asked you, if you think the Lord is pleased with me, I wonder what you would say. Maybe you would say, sure, the Lord is pleased with you. You're his child. You seem to love us. You're a decent preacher. I usually can stay awake during your sermons. Sure, God is pleased with you. I bet almost effortlessly the conversation would drift toward my work. Why? Because you identify me as someone who's called. So you must get to that question of how I am being faithful to the calling God has given me, right? But don't you see? Don't you see that you too are called? You are called to that vocation that God has given you. That is your divine assignment. Just as God is pleased with me when I deliver his word faithfully, he is pleased with you when you drive that truck to its destination safely. He's pleased with you when you add up those numbers accurately. He's pleased with you when you create art or design buildings excellently. God has a good purpose in your work. And when you find that purpose and you stay focused on it, it will bring energy to your work, vitality to your vocation like nothing else will. So that's where I want us to go in closing. Let's think about your work and mine. Let's find and fulfill our callings. Now, I want to speak first to those of you who might be struggling a bit. You hear all of this, and so far you're with me. Great, okay, all work is good. All human work is divine calling. But I'm struggling to discern what exactly God is calling me to. What type of work does God want me in? How do I discern my personal calling? I think the best and most helpful thing I can say to you is this. Your calling is the place where your deep gladness... And the world's deep hunger 
meet. Your calling is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Because you see, if it's true that everyone has a divine assignment, God has given you that assignment so that you can serve your neighbor, love your neighbor, contribute to human flourishing. So you see, the way you find your calling is to follow your wiring. Track with me on this. The way you find your calling is to follow your wiring. How has God wired you? What gifts and abilities has he given you? And then what are the world's needs that you can meet with that wiring that he's given you? Find your deep gladness. Find the world's deep hunger. Pair them and you will find your calling. Let me give you three further terms to help you on this path. And I've mentioned these before, but these are worth coming back to. Affinity, ability, and opportunity. Affinity, ability, and opportunity. Ask yourself three questions. First, affinity. Does my heart sing when I do it? If God has given you a calling, it will be something you enjoy. God desires joy for his children. So first and foremost, ask yourself the question, when I do this type of work, whatever it is, does my heart sing? It doesn't mean that there will be no bad days, no difficult days, but at the, at the core of your being, do you sense a passion? Does your heart celebrate when you do this? But the second question to ask is, are my hands skilled for it? The ability question. Over the years of ministry, I've done just about every type of ministry there is. Blue collar, white collar, work with the hands, work with the head. I've been the janitor who cleaned up after the messy people in the worship center. Thanks for that, guys. I've been the youth pastor who was up all night at the lock-ins, the children's director who did VBS. A little bit of everything except for one type of ministry. You know what it is? Music ministry. And trust me, you don't want me doing that. It doesn't matter how much I might love music. My, my hands, my voice... Not skilled for it. Not skilled for it. So you see, we have to have the affinity, the desire, the passion, but we also need the ability. God gives us those abilities. And the third question to ask is the one about opportunity. Is God directing my feet toward it? Let's say I have these passions, and let's say I have these abilities. Now I look around, and I look for God's guidance. I look for his providence. Do I see that God is opening doors for me? To go to this school and study this field, to take this career path here? What doors is he opening? Now, one comment I want to make here about money. Proverbs has much to teach us about money. One of the things I've already hinted at, it warns us about the danger of working purely for money. Many of us choose our career paths based solely on what will make us wealthy. And that's why many of us are miserable at work. The better thing to do is find your calling. Find your deep gladness in the place where it meets with the world's deep hunger. Fulfill the calling that God has given you and then trust Him to decide how wealthy He will make you. Work excellently at this divine assignment He has given you and trust Him with the compensation part of it. So once we have found our callings, we then need to fulfill them. The only way we will fulfill our calling, the only way we will be able to serve faithfully and excellently for decades and decades and decades of our lives is if we can see God's good purpose in the work we do. If he has called you to it, 
It is for a reason. It is for a good purpose. You just have to see it. You have to slow down enough to consider what exactly it is that you're doing. How is your career path, your vocation, how is it contributing to human flourishing? How do you have opportunities to love your neighbor, to serve the world? Let me give you a few examples just to help you see it. God cares about his creation. And oftentimes he provides through our work. No one helped me better understand this more than Martin Luther, the great German reformer. Luther did this. He read the Bible and he saw the parts of the Bible that talk about God opening his hands to feed the world. And here's what Luther said. Luther said that that means, those passages mean, that God is using the farmer. God is using the baker. In his words, God is using the common milkmaid. They are the hands of God. How does God open his hands and feed the world? Through farmers. Through milkmaids. That's how God cares for the world. God cares about the human body. So he has called some of you to be chiropractors and dentists. God cares about children. And so he's called some of you to be teachers and coaches and counselors. God cares about justice and security in his world. So he has called some of you to be lawmakers and law enforcers and first responders. God cares about beauty. And so he's called some of you to be artists and builders and engineers. Don't you see the good purpose in your vocation? Once you see it, Stay focused on it. It's the only way we will be able to serve faithfully, excellently, diligently for years and years to come. And also know that all the things you're working toward now, every day at work, all the good things that you're working toward, the beauty, the justice, the health of the human body, all of that, God will one day give it to you in full. Those of you who are doctors, nurses, for example... You work every day because you have this vision. God has given you this vision for health and for healing. And you work toward that so diligently, don't you? But people still get sick. And people still die. But friends, it will not always be this way. One day when Jesus returns, God will give in full all of these things that we're working toward here and now. There's a wonderful story one of J.R.R. Tolkien's stories that illustrates this point so powerfully for us. I shared this story about three years ago. We'll see how many of you remember it. Tolkien was most well-known, of course, for his Lord of the Rings trilogy. Well, at one point as he was writing the Lord of the Rings, he came to an impasse. The characters, the story just wasn't developing as he hoped, and so he, he set the project to the side, and he went to work on another story, a short story called Leaf by Niggle. And in this story, he tells the story of Niggle. Niggle is a painter, and Niggle is a perfectionist. He would spend hours and hours and days and days and weeks and weeks painting one little leaf because he had to get the leaf just right. The shape of it, the color of it, everything had to be just right before he could move on. Niggle was a perfectionist, and he also had a kind and caring heart. He was easily distracted by the needs of the people around him. One day, his neighbor comes to pay him a visit. His neighbor's wife is sick, and the neighbor asks Niggle to go to town through the bad weather to fetch the doctor and bring the doctor back. 
Niggle with his kind and caring heart, he does just that. But as he goes through the rain, through the bad weather, he catches a fever himself, and it eventually leads to his death. As he prepares to go to the afterlife, he meets this mysterious character dressed all in black, known only as the driver. The driver tells Niggle that it's his time. His time has come. And at once, Niggle says, no, no, I, I can't go yet. My painting is not done. I've spent my whole life and I only have one little leaf to show for it. But of course, it's out of his control. There's nothing he can do. So he gets aboard a train and he goes to the afterlife. But when he arrives in this far country, it's more beautiful than anything he's ever imagined. And he looks into the distance and something immediately catches his eye. He sees it. It's a tree. But not just any tree. It's his tree. It's his tree, the one that he never finished painting. And yet somehow, there it is. He runs to the tree, and in the final scene of the story, he opens his arms and he says, It's my tree. It's a gift. It's a gift. You see, Niggle had spent his whole life painting. His whole life working toward this vision that he had. And he had only completed one little leaf. And yet somehow in the end, the tree was there. What is Tolkien, what is his story showing us? It's showing us this. The vision you have for health and healing and justice and peace and all the good things that you are working toward here and now. One day, when Jesus returns, God will give us in full. You see, your entire life's work, your life's labor, it may be one little leaf. But know this, there is a tree. There is a tree. And one day, you will see it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the goodness of work, for the callings that you have given us. My prayer this morning is that you would give clarity For those who are struggling to discern their calling, I pray that you would give clarity. For those who are already serving, already trying to fulfill their calling, God also give them the clarity to see your good purpose in the work that you've called them to. Help us to see that these passions and these gifts you have given us, they are not just so that we can become wealthy, They're not just a means to our own advancement. No, no. These are gifts given so that we can love our neighbors, serve our communities, contribute to your creation, God. That's the good purpose in it. And that is how we can serve you excellently, please you here and now, and long for that day when you will give health, healing, justice, all that our hearts long for, all because of Jesus, in Him alone, in whose name we pray.